Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope that it blesses you. If you don't know me by now, and you weren't listening to Tom just then very carefully, you won't know my name's Jonathan, but my name's Jonathan. If you do know me, you may have seen me up here before, often at the beginning of services, larking about, getting up to all sorts of antics, getting you to get up to all sorts of antics as well, up on your feet and clapping and doing things, saying things, doing actions and so on, uh, in an effort to help you remember things and in an effort to wake you up for the service. It's good to be awake for a service. It really is. But not today. No, no, sorry. I mean, it's good to be awake today, but what I'm saying I'm not doing the antics business. It's not the antics roadshow today. <laughs> today, I'm just going to talk. It's going to be a proper sermon, a proper preach, a serious standard talk. I'm going to talk, you're going to listen, it's going to be great. However, I do need you paying attention and awake, so I'm going to help uh, you stay awake by telling you to wait carefully, listening out for the answer to a question. I'll set the question at the beginning. It says, question I don't think that's ever been asked in front of a congregation in a church ever before, apart from once this morning. What do the Spice Girls have in common with the Bible? So there's going to be an answer to that somewhere in the talk. Now, first of all, let's just dismiss the two obvious ones. I know that two have sprung to your mind immediately. It's not the fact that in this time of Advent, as we're waiting for the Nativity, Myrrh and frankincense are two examples of a posh spice. It's not that one. And it's not the fact that both in the Spice Girls and the Bible, one of the main characters is introduced to us as a baby. It's not that. It's something else. Listen out for it. When, if, when you hear it, you have my permission to groan as loudly as you want to. Back to the talk, though. I'm going to talk about a passage from a book from the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. Now, the book of Hebrews was written around about here. Not mean, meaning here on the stage or here in Sunbury. I mean here as opposed to here a few decades earlier, which was when Jesus was born, grew up, preached, saved, healed, and was killed. A few decades later, Hebrews was written, somewhere within probably the second half of the first century. Um, that's about 2,000 years before this point here, which is where we all are present day. And um, the book of Hebrews was written here around about 1,700 days, a days, sorry, years, uh, after this point here which was the days of the patriarchs. Uh, so we've got Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, followed by the first global, worldwide ever premiere of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, followed by the exile to Egypt, the slavery in Egypt, the exodus from Egypt, and then around about here, just behind my signer, <laughs> is uh, the time when they'd wandered in the wilderness for a bit and Moses went up a mountain and met with God. And all of that little history led into the rest of the Old Testament leading up to Jesus and the New Testament and beyond. If 
like I, you've been trying to keep up with the daily readings that this church has been trying to do since a few weeks from now, a, a, a few weeks ago, um, where we're trying to read through the Bible in a year with daily readings. I'm about eight days behind, if I'm honest, because I've been preparing this. That's my excuse. I'm sticking with it. Um, but I've read through most of Numbers and through all of Leviticus before, and if you've read any of that, you'll have picked up on this story here, back 1,700 years prior to Hebrews. And that's important. I dwelt over there because Hebrews makes a strong link back to that. We don't quite know who wrote Hebrews. Uh, I didn't even know that I didn't know until I did a bit of research. Listen, if you don't remember anything else or listen to anything else today, listen to this. Read the Bible as if you have to give a talk on it. You know, maybe just once, pick a passage and don't just read it thinking, what can I get out of this? God, speak to me through it. Think, what would I have to say to someone else to explain and go deeper? And you'll have to Google. I did. I'm not telling you things I knew before. I'm telling you things I found out in the last couple of weeks. And it's amazing. It's fascinating to learn even more about what the Bible represents. So I'm just sharing that with you today. Hebrews didn't know who wrote it. Possibly Paul, but it wasn't really like his letters bit too erudite, a few long words that we didn't think he'd know. Maybe someone transcribing a, um, a sermon by Paul, that's a possibility. Maybe a couple of other candidates. And we don't quite know who it's for, because it's not like a letter that says, to the people in X place. One thing we do know, whoever heard this sermon or read this book must have been a, Jew, a, a group of Jewish Christians, people who had been Jews and had converted to follow the Messiah, Jesus as the Messiah. They'd, 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 they'd stopped the clocks on the Jewish history and said, actually, this is what we've been waiting for. We'll follow Jesus. Now, the indications are that quite a few of these people that the letter was written to, that the book was for, were struggling with that because they sort of had a foot in the past and a foot in this new world. They'd sort of accepted Jesus but they were still sort of in the habit of all of their rituals and their sacrifices and all the laws that had, had been in existence since that time of Moses. And some of them were reverting, some of them were abandoning the faith, some of them were being persecuted, so you can sort of understand there was a bit of pressure maybe to do that, to revert. And Hebrews says two things to them. It says, one, Jesus is important. Two, follow him. It's as simple as that. Um, it says it in a few more words than that, um, and in slightly older language. But Hebrews makes comparisons between Jesus and that heritage, that old Hebrew, Jewish, cultural, religious heritage. And in all the comparisons, Hebrews says Jesus is higher, better, superior. A, 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 an improvement on, no, a replacement for all that went before Jesus for instance, I'll give you a couple of for instances. Jesus, Hebrews says, compared with angels. A load of angels all through the Old Testament. There were some in the New as well, I know. But these messengers from God, like the one that gave the word of God to Moses on Sinai, they were, Ron told me this this morning, euangelion. Euangelion, that's the word for evangelist or message bringer, good news bringer. They were messengers, loads of them. But Hebrews says, Jesus is not just a messenger from God. Jesus is the messenger from God. His son personally come down 
to bring personally God's message of good news. That's the sort of thing I'm talking about. Hebrews says Jesus is like this, Old Testament is like this, bang, Jesus wins, 1-0. Another example, just quickly, um, is the comparison between um, Jesus as a sacrifice and the old sacrifices. Because you'll remember, especially if you've been reading these, these books recently um, as a church, you'll remember that daily they were, they were having to slaughter cows and sheep and goats and you name it and, and do all of that in order to make it right with God because God was too holy for the kids to just rock up and say, hey, we're your children, God, be with us. He wanted to be with them, but there had to be some rules. They were too impure. Sacrifices were one way of sorting out that relationship, but it had to be on a daily basis. It was constant, ongoing. And it was all the way through. So the Jewish Christians had that history behind them. They'd been, maybe they were still, sorting out their sacrifices via the priests because they had one foot in that past, even though they'd accepted Jesus. Before we get onto the passage, I just want to say, I feel that that message to those Jewish Christians who were sort of torn between the old and the new is the same message uh, that we should hear and listen to today. Jesus is better than all that's gone before in your life. Jesus is a replacement for all that's gone before. If you accept Jesus, you can let go of that stuff. And I just felt myself being challenged, maybe people here, have we accepted Jesus and his forgiveness, but are we still sort of hanging on to that sense of guilt for all the things we do and the fact that we ought to be doing something to fix it, sacrifices, um, prayers, rituals, things like that? Have we gone all for Jesus in full except we're sort of still thinking, yeah, but the psychology and that whole thing that I've learned about how we can fool ourselves, maybe society had to come up with religion, had to come up, an atheist background, a, 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 another religion that you've moved from, um, maybe simply a sense of who you are and who you've always been. So perhaps that, that secret lust or that tendency for anger, maybe you can't quite let it go because you sort of feel, well, that's, that's who I am. I can't just, can't just leave that behind. It's who I am. But never mind, I'm, I'm for Jesus. It could be periods of depression. It could be periods of doubt. It could be periods of disbelief. And Hebrews says, it's okay. Jesus is better than all that went before. Jesus is a replacement for all that went before. Follow him. Get all in with Jesus because the future's bright. And it's eternal. So come on, let's switch. Now... That's great. All of that, I think, is part of the message anyway. I could probably stop here, and I think Hebrews would have said something to all of us. It certainly did to me. But there's this passage I'm supposed to be preaching about. So I've skipped that so far. I haven't mentioned that. It's another one of these comparisons. It presents Jesus as a priest. Uh, now, that, I don't know what you think of when you think of the word priest. Do you think of Ron in his snazzy light blue jacket with his scarf? Do you think of a, of a Catholic priest in, a, in a, um, a confessional listening to all the dirty secrets? 
Do you think of, a, of an Anglican priest with the bread and wine, all the sort of proper robes and things and blessing and the finery, or going even further, an Orthodox priest with really big robes, hat, staff, you name it. Or maybe, maybe an Indiana Jones sort of priest, a temple in the jungle with fire and dancing and sacrifices. I don't know. And maybe you thought of none of those, and I've just put those pictures in your head. But words do have the ability to conjure up images. And for the people reading or listening to Hebrews, here in the timeline, for anyone on the internet listening, if they've recorded this or do record it and put it out there, if there's someone out there listening, um, you've probably worked it out. I've sussed out a big timeline at the front of church here. So that's picture that. Here at Hebrews, the book says, Jesus is a priest. Actually, no, it doesn't. It says Jesus is a high priest. Actually, no, it doesn't. It says Jesus is a great high priest. That's going one more than they had. Aaron was the first high priest. Yeah, but Jesus is a great high priest. Better than what went before, even by name. And uh, those listening or reading will, will have conjured up images immediately with that word priest. They knew what priesthood was all about. They knew what priestly duties were. They knew that right from the time back when Moses came down from the mountain, one of the most central things that he came down was a message from God saying, the tribe of Levi, out of all the tribes of Israel. The tri- By the way, I said this this morning, I'll say it as well. Now, I don't have time to share one of the biggest surprises I got over recent weeks about the tribes of Israel. Um, it may be something you already know, but I was, I was blown away by this tiny little detail about the tribes, 12 tribes of Israel and things like that. Ask me about it afterwards. Anyway, uh, the tribe of Levi, they were meant to be the priests. They were meant to be central in the camp, central in the community, central in the nation, performing a particular service to help bridge the gap, to help intercede for the people before the holy God, to help orchestrate all of the sacrifices and follow all the rituals and the regulations. And the priests had an incredibly important job to do back then and all the way through this Jewish history that the readers or listeners to Hebrews will have just lived with all their life. That would have been what the word priest conjures up. And here was Hebrews saying, ah, just like the other comparisons, Jesus is better than what went before, a replacement for what went before. Let's turn and follow him. All well and good. Job done, you'd have thought. Let's listen to the passage and see how convinced we might be if we put ourselves in the place of those listeners. I'm going to read it to you now. Finally, we get the reading. Gosh. Normally they do it first, and then you know what I'm supposed to be talking about, but here we go. Check me out on this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 onwards, it goes like this, up on the screens as well. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, But we have one who's been tempted in every way, just like us, yet he did not sin. So a comparison with the Levitical priests, they had to sacrifice for their own sins half the time, let alone those of the people, because they were just humans called by God to a special job. But we've already sussed out that Jesus is more than that. Um, Human, though, and therefore aware 
of our weaknesses and aware of temptation. Uh, but what a priest to have, somebody who didn't sin, who can represent a new way of living. Let us, sorry, I'm back to the sermon. I'm supposed to be reading, aren't I? Verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is and has always been selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He's able to deal gently with those who are ignorant or going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. That's why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one, has to, and no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron, the first high priest, was, and all the Levites. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you're my son, today I've become your father, and he said in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learnt obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So that's the passage central, well, a little past the center of Hebrews, one of these comparisons. And you'd have thought that would really put the business to bed. Better than the angels, better than the sacrifices, better than the priests. Come on, Jewish Christians, what are you waiting for? case closed let's let's go except i do picture the the listeners and the readers with their arms folded saying ah hang on a second author of hebrews whoever you are hang on a second there's a spanner in the works because we know our jewish culture we know our jewish history we know the way it's meant to be from moses time onward god told moses moses told us and the priests remember they've got to come from the tribe of levi that's what god said the Levites would be the priests. Follow them all through. They've always been our priests. We've gone to our Levitical priests for their Levitical priestly duties. And here we are. And you're telling us Jesus is a high priest. But hang on. Here's the spanner in the works. Jesus, following back to David, following back to the tribes, he was from the line of Judah. He can't be a priest. He's from Judah. That's not his job. So I can imagine the, the listeners going, well, go on, get out of that one then. And the author will think, oh, how do I solve that? Oh, hang on a second. I've already written it. It's already in there. It wasn't the author's idea. It was God's idea. God solved that problem before it raised its head. God had a sneaky little solution lined up way back. And here's the last little bit. We're running to the end now. And as I read about this, I was learning so much, I was thinking, oh, it's five sermons here, but I'm not giving them all today. So I'm only going to say a bit about this. There was a bloke mentioned, wasn't there? Did you hear in that Hebrews passage? He was mentioned twice. Melchizedek, or as I like to call him as a nickname. Have you got it? Mel C. <laughs> <sighs> Good, now we're past that, I can relax. 
So I'll, I'll, try, I'll keep the name alive, Melchizedek. It's quite good. You get used to it after a while. Or Mel C. Melchizedek was mentioned in the passage. Jesus is a great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So who was Melchizedek? Way back, before Moses, before the exile, before Egypt, before um, the patriarchs, right at the beginning of the patriarchs, Abraham met a bloke called Melchizedek. Blink and you'll miss it. It's a couple of lines in Genesis. So easy to skip. So many names. Here's another one, Melchizedek. He wasn't even Abraham then. It was before that. He was Abraham. Hadn't even been given his new name. And it would be interesting, I think, for us to listen to that passage from Genesis 14, I think it is, uh, to find out what happened in that tiny little interaction. So I'm going to read you a bit more. Ah, Two passages for the price of one. You did pay when you came in, didn't you? No. Two Two passages for free. Genesis 14, verse 17. After Abraham returned from defeating Kedorlaomer, and the, I told you there were names, Kedorlaomer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that's the king's valley, and then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High who delivered you from your enemies, delivered them into your hands. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Does that sound familiar? Were you here when Julie was talking about tithes? getting our heads wrapped around that. Every time that gets preached on, I think, okay, I'm wrapping my head around this again. What does it really mean? Abraham was doing that long before the time of Moses when, with all the rules and regulations, it became encased very much in the way that the Levites, the Levitical priests, were supported by the people to support the work of God. That was all to do with tithing, very much part of the rules. But back then, that was happening between Abraham the father of the whole Jewish nation, pretty important bloke, and someone called Melchizedek, who just appeared briefly, but seemed to be more important. Now, the stuff I'm not going to say about Melchizedek, because I only just started reading about that and thinking, what, 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 Uh, is that Melchizedek doesn't seem to have any heritage. There's no father, no mother, father, no line, no lineage. And for someone who's so important that he blessed Abraham, why has he not got a long list of he came from him and he came from him and he came from him? That's unusual. He brought out bread and wine. Did you notice that? He was the king of Salem. Salem, shalom, that means peace. His name, Melchizedek, means righteousness. There's a lot of important terminology there associated with this guy. Um, And so all the stuff I'm not going to say is about the mind-blowing idea that he might have been Jesus appearing in a pre-echo in an early. I was talking to someone from the previous service who's studying quantum physics. A quantum Jesus, somehow, why should it just be the... Okay, my mind couldn't cope with that, and I thought, I can't even put that into words for everyone else. I bet your mind is a little bit frazzled by that, and I certainly think the Hebrew's mind would be. So that's not what it's about. We're just going to pick up on those two points that, that Melchizedek blessed Abraham. He was clearly superior, 
back then. And did you pick up? He was a priest of God before the Levitical priesthood, outside of that timeline. And here is the author of Hebrews closing the circle that is outside the full Jewish history from Moses onwards and saying Jesus was a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So, I can imagine the author of Hebrews folding his own arms and saying, huh, how'd you like that then? Got out of that one. Because yes, your history, your culture, your heritage, what's gone before is important. But outside of that, God's got plans to achieve his desires for you and answers even before you know the problems. So I think that is a message to us as well. In your life, as you seek to turn and go all in for Jesus and follow him into the eternal future and seek to cope with this fact that you might have a bit of a foot in the past and you're trying to break with it and and buy into the fact that Jesus is better than what went before, his replacement for what went before in your life. Realize that God is sorting out answers for any and every problem to help him achieve his will for your life because God is in the business of achieving for you what he wants, what he really, really wants. (laughs) For more information about St. Saviour's, please visit our website at www.stsaviourssunbury.org.uk.